Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Gift of Grace on the Word 1220. This is Phil Giuliotti here again on another awesome Sunday night. And this is the Gift of Grace, where we read and teach God's Word, and we proclaim the kingdom and salvation in Jesus the Messiah. So hope you've had an awesome week. We are, of course, still in the traditional season of Advent. A week from today is Christmas Day where the Nativity of the Lord is celebrated. And it's been a, um, Advent is, has always been a time since, well, I guess you could say ancient, but from the earliest days of the church, a time to prepare for the celebration of the birth of the Messiah. And again, as I always like to point out, we don't know exactly when he was born. It probably was not December 25th. But it's a generally agreed-upon day where his nativity is commemorated and is celebrated. And it's interesting, too, that it is in the darkest time of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, and it's in the darkest winter time of the year that the light of the world comes into the world as Jesus of Nazareth, the God-man. And so there's a lot of reasons to think about this, to ponder this, to reflect on this. And as I said last week or the week before, we're not anticipating the birth of a great philosopher. We're not anticipating the birth of a great teacher. We're not celebrating the birth of some really good man who came so that we could learn how to live. We're celebrating the fact that Messiah, the God-man, comes into the world so that we can have salvation. Because, as Peter pointed out on Pentecost morning, there is no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved. There is no other way. And as Jesus, Yeshua himself said, no one comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say some people, a few people, quite a lot of people. He said, no one comes to the Father except by me. And this is what we really have to reflect on. This is really what this is all about. And we went, uh, most of of, um, Advent is usually taken up by the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has so many amazing passages. And every year as I do the radio show and do the various teachings that I do and do one in Messiah um, on Friday nights or do now doing also Messianic Lamb television, it's always hard to decide which teachings from Isaiah to do during Advent because there are just so many of them. And now since this is the last um, Sunday before Christmas, this is the last uh, radio show before Christmas, and I should add that um, every time, every time of year at this time, I'm always deciding whether I should continue for another year, pay the expenses of the radio time, and so forth. Uh, this year, I have in fact decided, actually decided a couple of months ago that I was going to keep doing it. So. You'll continue to hear this after January 1st, because <laughs> this time of year, 
it's always a big debate the last, uh, I don't know, since I retired. But anyway, so I will be on again for the next calendar year. So I'm kind of excited about it now. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist, because after all, this is he is such an amazing person, such an amazing character, and we're not going to discuss all the scriptures about him in detail because we want to get to the point about messengers coming. We want to get to the point about how are we going to know when Messiah is imminent, <laughs> so to speak. And John the Baptist, of course, is a is the forerunner. He's the in the spirit of Elijah. He is not Elijah. He is not Elijah reincarnated, but he is the the the, the prophet Malachi, believe it or not, who was the last prophet, roughly four hundred B.C. before we entered the a silent time where there were no prophets until John the Baptist. Malachi said, you know, Elijah's going to come before the Messiah. Now, Malachi lived long after Elijah had died. And people even asked Jesus later, well, we thought Elijah was coming. And Jesus answered them and said, well, he did come. You just didn't recognize who he was, who he was. And then it says they realized that he was talking about John the Baptist. Now, again, John the Baptist is not Elijah reincarnated. He's an Elijah-like figure. He dresses like Elijah. He preaches like Elijah in the wilderness, dressed in weird clothes, wild, crazy hair. John the Baptist, as it says, ate locusts and honey. And I always like to say that I would have loved listening to his teachings and watching him in his ministry, but I wouldn't want to have lunch with him. So if you went to hear him and he said, hey, would would you like something to eat? You'd say, well, no, thanks, but I've already eaten. Because he ate locusts and honey and it didn't sound very good. Anyway, so a forerunner. John the Baptist is actually the last of the prophets. It's kind of hard to think of him that way, but he is the last of the prophets. He's in the New Testament, of course, but he's an Old Testament character. Not only is he Elijah-like, but he's also a Nazarite. He doesn't cut his hair. He doesn't shave his beard. Doesn't eat anything that comes from a grape. Preaches in the wilderness. And if you're familiar with the Nazarites, they are well-described in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, the Midbar in Hebrew. And it would do well for you to to um, search for the Nazarites, N-A-Z-O-R-I-T-E, and read what you had to do to be a Nazarite and what it entailed. John the Baptist was certainly one. And, of course, he was related to Jesus because their mothers were kinswomen, some people say cousins, but they were in somehow, they were in some way related. So he and Jesus were, in fact, related. And so um, 
such an interesting character. We're gonna we're gonna start in in Matthew chapter three, and then we're gonna go back to the book of Malachi because it kind of puts it into perspective. And then I think we're also gonna go into a psalm in Isaiah forty, but we'll see how it goes because the time always goes so fast. But Matthew chapter three verse one: In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So, in those days, John the Baptist comes preaching. And that's fascinating. In those days, the fullness of time, God does everything on a specific time, at a specific time, on a specific timeline, just like the feasts that are described in Torah. The time to celebrate them is given not only in the general sense of when to do it, but the specific month, the specific day. Days have to be counted one by one, for example, between Passover and and Pentecost, Shavuot. Things are done in a very rigid order at appointed times. In fact, the Hebrew word for the feast is moedim, which means appointed times. And so here, Matthew writes, the fullness of time had come. John the Baptist came at a time where he was supposed to come. He came to be the forerunner of Messiah, just as Messiah was about to be revealed. In those days, in the fullness of time, it wasn't a random time. The gospel was about to be proclaimed, and as he, as he pointed out, the kingdom of God was at hand. It was at hand. And he even points out, we, we spent a lot of time talking about how the gospel was first proclaimed back in Genesis 3.15 with the promise of a redeemer. And I can't emphasize enough how many times you should read over Genesis 3.15 and following. But here, John the Baptist himself even gives the way that you get into this kingdom, the way that you get into this kingdom. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You get into this kingdom by repentance. Jesus later says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance is the way in. We're in the New Testament here. The word is metanoia. It's a change of mind. It's a change of direction. Paul talks incredibly powerfully in the book of Romans about how we have the spirit and we have the flesh. And the spirit and the flesh are always at war with each other. And our flesh wants to be gratified. Our flesh wants to be comfortable, satisfied, relaxed, rich, secure. The flesh always wants to be satisfied, whether it's with money, with power, with lust, whatever it is, the flesh wants to be satisfied. But he says, if you live in the spirit, you don't do the things of the flesh. 
the spirit and the flesh are always at war with each other. And so metanoia is a change of direction where you're not always worried about your physical things. In fact, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, you have to pick up your cross, and you have to follow me. He tells the young man who we call the rich young ruler, give everything away, and then you'll have riches. And the guy says, oh, forget it, man. I'm not giving everything away. And he went away sad. So the kingdom was at hand. We don't know anything about John's childhood. We know about his, there was an announcement of his birth too, of course, which maybe I should have gotten into a little bit, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah in the temple. And Zechariah got a little snotty with Gabriel and then, of course, was struck dumb from that day until the eighth day of the baby's life when John was circumcised and named. Then Zechariah got his speech back and gave the beautiful song of Zechariah or canticle of Zechariah, which is just very, very beautiful when he's filled with the Holy Spirit and says all these amazing things about little John, who's eight days old at the time. It was kind of similar. We don't know much about Jesus, except we know what happened was one three-day period when he was 12. We didn't know anything before that, really. And we don't know anything between the ages of 12 and 30. We don't know anything at all about that. So it's kind of interesting. And um, also in those just those first three verses we read, Matthew points out this is the one of which the prophet Isaiah spoke, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. You know, Isaiah talks about a highway for our God because we need to level the mountains, fill in the valleys, make a straight highway. We, we need to move toward him without obstacles. He needs to come up to us without obstacles. The ways have to be straight. You can't have obstacles in the way. And this is what he's referring to. And obviously, we're not going to level the mountains and we're not going to fill in the valleys. But the metaphor here is that he is going to be, he's going to have the way that he can reach us and we can reach him. And also that we have to prepare that way. We are, we are involved in preparing that way. Nowhere in all of the scriptures, nowhere in all of the scriptures does it say your religion is a private matter. Jesus said you're supposed to shout it from the rooftops. You're supposed to tell people the gospel. You're supposed to evangelize everyone that you meet. And we know John was spirit-filled, of course, and he was unafraid. He confronted whoever came. The leaders, you know, these the leaders, the religious leaders, and keep in mind, we have plenty of religious leaders now, no matter what denomination you're in. These men, at this time was all men, of course, they were used to being called by titles and honorable titles. He calls them a brood of vipers. Vipers are poisonous snakes. Later, Jesus calls them a brood of vipers. And Jesus says to them, not only do you not get into the kingdom, 
but you keep other people from getting into the kingdom, which is even worse. And he goes on to say that they're children of the devil. So he was not afraid to confront these people. And he, and he says, you know, why did you come here, you brood of vipers? Who told you to, to escape from the coming wrath? You know, I said, if you really repent, then you have to show signs. What are the signs? You have to produce fruit. What happens if you don't pr- produce fruit? The tree's cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, they knew full well what that meant. John the Baptist was not scared in the least to tell them that message. You're not producing fruit. You're walking around looking holy. You're walking around having other people think that you're holy. Shortly, they'd be walking around, well, within within the year, within the next two to three years, they would be telling people that Jesus is not Messiah, that he is nothing. He can't even be a prophet because he comes from Galilee. He's upsetting the whole system. Well, the axe was laid to the root of that tree, too, and that was thrown into the fire because not only was no fruit produced, they kept people from coming into the kingdom. And John confronted him on this. And of course, their defense always was, well, we're children of Abraham. We're the people. Well, John said, well, God can raise children to Abraham from these stones, because being children of Abraham doesn't spare you from judgment. And the same thing happens in the church. Oh, I go to church every week. I go almost every week. I go to that church over there. Yep, that one, every week. Well, that doesn't spare you from judgment. In order to show your metanoia, there has to be some evidence of it. As Paul says, we're saved unto good works. And interestingly, John was a Levite, but he never worked in the temple. There's not one scriptural reference to John the Baptist going to the temple, even though he was a Levite. Jesus, of course, was not a Levite. I hope you know that he is from the tribe of Judah. He was not a Levite. He couldn't have been a priest, but he taught in the temple with authority. John the Baptist never taught in the temple. Jesus taught there with authority. He was not a Levite. And then he John humbles himself before Jesus, before he even points him out. See, as I mentioned, he's the last prophet. All the other prophets talked about someday Messiah was going to come. Someday this was going to happen. Someday Messiah was going to do this. Someday the kingdom was coming. John, as the last prophet, points across the river and says, there he is. There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, had you been standing there and heard that, see, to us, we're used to hearing that. To the people standing there, this would have been radical. First of all, that's a man, not a lamb. Secondly, that's a man. How can a man take away the sins of the world? Wait a minute. The lamb is used for sacrifice. How are you going to sacrifice a man? None of, and nothing that you said here, John, makes any sense. But John goes on to say in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, 
But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into barns. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So he says, here is the one who's coming. In fact, there he is right now. He's mightier than I am. I'm just here kind of doing this repentance baptism. And of course, this was not Christian baptism. This was not mikvah that the Hebrews would have done. This was kind of, uh, as I like to say, a transition. But him, that man over there, is going to baptize you with fire and with the Holy Spirit because fire purifies. Now, before the time runs out, I want to go back to Malachi since I was going to kind of base this on him, but Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. He also quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 here. You can read that for your homework. I don't have time to go over all that. But remember, after Malachi, there were no prophets for 400 years, the silent period, 400 years. Malachi says, and this is God speaking through Malachi, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, capital M. And the Lord who you seek will suddenly come to his temple. In other words, Messiah is going to come after a messenger comes to prepare the way. That messenger is John the Baptist. The Lord that you seek, in other words, the Messiah who they had, they had been waiting for, for uh, two or 3,000 years, all this time of waiting, a Messiah that they were going to delight in, was going to suddenly come to the temple, which he did when he was 40 days old. He suddenly came to the temple. Unannounced, no one knew it. No one knew what was going on. Nobody except Simeon and Anna knew who this was. But he suddenly came to the temple. And this was guaranteed by the Lord of hosts. It says, says the Lord of hosts. The term Lord of hosts is used not a lot of times. It's used a handful of times in the Old Testament, and it's used here. So 400 years without a prophet, and then John shows up in this wilderness. It's not populated. If you've been to Israel and you go in that land that's east of Jerusalem toward the Jordan River, toward the Dead Sea, it is unbelievable. It is desolation. That's the wilderness of Judah. And interestingly, this is where the new covenant begins in a wilderness with John preaching. The older covenant, the Tanakh, the Torah, was actually given in a wilderness as well. Torah, I should say. God's covenant, God's law, is also given in a wilderness. Both covenants begin in a wilderness. And he preached to common people first, not in Jerusalem, 
not to the rich people, not to the establishment, but to poor people. He said, the kingdom's at hand, the Messiah's here. This is going to be the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of this world. I know all of you have been waiting for a Messiah to reestablish David's kingdom and the golden age of Solomon. But what's actually going to happen is the kingdom of heaven is here. And this is why I'm here. And most kings, you know, they had heralds that would go before them and say, you know, here comes his majesty and blow trumpets and make announcements and stuff. And they all wear really cool stuff, as you see when you watch the British royal family, for example. But this guy was dressed in camel's hair. He was wild looking. And these proud, haughty Pharisees all had all this really cool, holy stuff on, thinking they didn't need to repent. But John brought the message of repentance, metanoia, producing fruit, because the kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom was really here now, and is really here now with our time. It hasn't changed. And so this is the main message of Advent. Next week, we'll talk about the nativity. So I hope you'll join us for the gift of grace, and we'll read and teach God's word and proclaim the kingdom and salvation in Jesus the Messiah. Have an awesome week.